Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back to the afternoon show. President's Day, 3 o'clock. I'm Broads hanging out with you, filling in for the crew. They will be back tomorrow. All right. It's 3 o'clock. That means we have our guest for today, one of two guests, and um, unbelievable job Clay Harbor does. Played in the league for nine years, does a great job inside the birds, some stuff with the Chicago Bears as well. He's going to help us out, break down what's going on here in Philadelphia. Clay, what's up, man? What's going on? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. Nice little holiday day off here, so everything's great. Really looking forward to seeing how this offseason goes for our Eagles. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to ask you more of like an overhead view here. Looking at the Eagles coaching staff, they got their hires in Vic Fangio, Kellen Moore, and Nick Sirianni staying up top. Just what's your overall view of that trio? I like it. I think it's improvement. I don't think Vic Fangio is, is going to you know, be the, the top defense in, in, the, in the league by any means, but I think there is a good floor there, right? You're not going to have happen – what you had happen last year with the uh, Desai and Patricia debacle, right? So now Fangio is a guy that's written a book on defenses. I think he'll be, you know, somewhere from that 10 to 15 probably defensive range. And with the offense, I think it really comes down to how successful this offense is. You've invested so much in your quarterback, in your wide receivers, into your offensive line. That's really going to be the engine that drives this team, in my opinion. And I think Fangio can do a good job of getting after the quarterback. Dolphins were ninth last year in sacks. I think he, uh, he, he knows how to get good matchups. He knows how to, what to do to get his big-time pass rushers one-on-one. And he's got some weapons there to use. Obviously, I think they still have depth on the D-line. It isn't what it once was, but I still like what they got there as a, as a core defensive line. And I think that's what's gonna, what it's going to take for them to be successful. So I think you could be a top 10, 10 to, to 15 defense in the offense with Kellen Moore, who I think is an excellent hire. I think his time in, in Dallas, he was one of the best in, in, the, in the game. And last year at the Chargers was tough for him because a lot of injuries happened over there. So I don't blame him for that. But I think that the, the job that they did in finding these coordinators was, was great. It's definitely an upgrade. Last year with Brian Johnson, who in the beginning of the season, I liked the ties with the family of Hurts and all, and maybe it was a little too much for him, or maybe it was just not the right place and the right time for him, and I I do believe that he's better than a lot of Eagles fans give him credit for, but I do think that this trio is a jump up from where they were last year. But I want to get your thoughts being in the locker room at one time, going back to your playing days, and that collapse was so brutal. Is there any thought you think in the players, right, in their minds when they see the collapse happen and you know that the coach is doing everything in his power to try and fix it and there's no results is there ever any doubt that sets in like hey I don't know if he has what it takes because no one's questioning Nick Sirianni's work ethic his ability to be in the in the film room and study I think he tries every single way to get better and they couldn't so could that be a detriment that work ethic and seeing no results or am I searching too much I don't think in a locker room that those players have any reservations about Nick Sirianni. And I was able to see a lot of the guys just even over the weekend and talk to them a little about the season. I spent some time with Kelsey. I saw, I got to spend some time with Jordan Mailata, spent some time with Lane Johnson, even got to see some of the old guys, Chris Long, Bo Allen, got to spend some time with those guys. And Nick Sirianni is, is thought of very highly. And I'll go back to 
you know, my time in Philly. And you know, this might bring up some bad memories for you and for all the <laughs> Eagles fans listening, but we'll go back to 2012, right? The last year of Andy Reid, we went 4-12, and and it was an awful year. We had injuries. We went on an eight-game slide. We just couldn't win games. And even during that time, the players loved Coach Reed. We knew he was the guy for us, and the ball wasn't bouncing our way. We knew it came down to us. Coach Reed was a, was a coach that had won many games year in and year out. He's a guy that he was back with the Mike Holm, Holmgren Packers League teams, and this guy knew what he was doing. We loved him as a coach, but for whatever reason, we just weren't winning games. But I'll tell you this, there wasn't one player on that team that said, man, we really need to fire Andy and bring in Chip Kelly because Andy's just not getting the job done. We were all behind Andy, as tough as it was that season, us losing those games, a really down year for the Eagles, something that doesn't happen often. But no, in that locker room, just like with us, back with Andy, when we're losing all those games, the year he got fired, and now with Nick Sirianni, the players are behind him. They stand with him, and obviously that's something that, that Jeffrey Lurie has to decide and how he, if he's the guy to lead this organization. But as far as the players are concerned, they will still go out to battle and fight with Nick Sirianni as their general. Hey, I like that answer. I do. I want that to be the case, and I want that to be right, and I want it all to work out. I want Nick Sirianni to be the answer. I just, I'm a little nervous, that's all. But I think that was an excellent answer, by the way. All right, so let's continue. Hassan Reddick's been in the news lately and all with this contract, and how do you think the Eagles should play this? Should they give him top-tier money to be a great defense uh, pass rusher? I mean, he definitely gets to the quarterback, and you lack getting to the quarterback, as we saw at the back end of the season. Or should they be open to hearing what else is available, potentially, to maybe look to use that money in other ways? You know, in my eyes, you, you keep your ears open, right? You're not going to not take a call if somebody's interested in in trading for San Reddick, he's only 29 years old, and he had 11 sacks this year. Obviously, he had the 16 last year, so back-to-back years, this guy has produced greatly, but it is the last year of his deal. So you listen to the offers, and sometimes you got to make tough decisions like that if you want to invest in other parts of your team, maybe find somebody younger and cheaper. I mean, you go back to Brett Veach when he traded Tyreek Hill. Everybody's up in arms. Patrick Mahomes isn't going to be able to do it without Tyreek Hill. There isn't one path to victory, as Brett Veach showed, when he traded away the best wide receiver in football. Guess who won the Super Bowl this year? The Kansas City Chiefs, even after trading away Tyreek Hill. If you trade away Hassan Reddick and you got a plan to allocate that money to somebody else, to some other position that you think is more important, can get something done, then you do it. Obviously, Hassan Reddick is still young-ish, you know, about to be 30, 29, going to be 30 by the start of next season. But I think if the offer is there and you like it, you can take it. But, I mean, that's all up to Howie. And that, there, there's not one path to victory here. You can win with Hassan Reddick. You've already seen that. You got to the Super Bowl with him because he was a guy that was getting to the quarterback. You know, this year, obviously, you didn't have as much success as you wanted. Same player there. So, to me, yeah, you're listening to everything. I'm not saying trade him. I'm not saying don't trade him. I'm not saying you have to, you have to re-up his contract this year. He's got one more year in the deal. Play out this year, worst-case scenario, if he earns the money, you bring him back. If you think he's still trending upward when he's 30, about to be 31, get him in a three-year deal, he'll be done when he's 34, then okay. If not, you can trade him, get a younger player, maybe a little bit more value down the road, and that works too. So in my opinion, 
I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I think you can have a lot of right answers here. You just got to be sure for what you're doing. Think back to Brett Veach trading Tyree Kill and what happened with them and who won the Super Bowl this year, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that's absolutely true. I'm right there with you. It's about the execution, really. You could sell me trading him, getting the pick or whatever, and then using that money to help build the defense as long as you execute properly. You do have some good options just on Howie at that point. So let's now transition to our quarterback, Jalen Hurts. How would you describe his play last year? Because, I mean, I don't think it was a disaster by any means. There were a lot of factors, and then obviously towards the end it was a little rough. But it's a hard one to really describe, I feel. But if you can describe it, how would you? I mean, you said it. It's it's a tough one to describe because you don't want to just put all the emphasis and blame on Jalen Hurts in this situation because I think he has shown he's a dynamic player. I don't think he was 100% healthy. They weren't running the zone read, and that's a big part of his game. They weren't running the zone read to the same type of way they were running it the year before. In my opinion, two years ago, he was the best zone read quarterback in the league, and they kind of got away from that because he didn't seem to have the same burst, the same explosiveness. I don't know if there's an injury there. I don't know what what the situation was. I don't think they ever came out and and really detailed what was going on with Hurts. And then the RPO stuff. That was a huge part of his game last year, and this just didn't work the same this year. The run-pass option. The reads weren't the same, and I think that has something to do maybe with Brian Johnson. I think Kellen Moore can maybe get him back on the same page as last year. And obviously, I think that teams can adapt to that, but there's so many options in the run-pass option. If you run that play right, they're always wrong. The defense is always wrong when you have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts that can run the zone read. Not every team can do that. If you have Jalen Hurts, a guy that can run, take quick release, and can make these decisions, you should be, it should be hard to stop because you can give it to the running back. You can pull with the quarterback or you can throw it. Not every team has the opportunity to do that. Only a few teams have that type of quarterback that can do all those things. So, to me, you've got to utilize it, and they didn't do a good job of utilizing that this year. But, to me, the number one thing that Jalen Hurts has to work on this offseason, obviously it goes with the offensive coordinator, it goes with the offensive line, it goes with the running backs as far as blitz pickup, tight ends too. I know for my time in the league, tight ends have a big, big part in blitz. Zero blitz was just killing the Eagles at the end of the year. You have a whole day in the locker room. You go in, and your Friday practice is all blitz. Excuse me, Thursday practice is blitz. It's third down and blitz. You look at every blitz. You go over and over and over your outlet. These are the runs we're going to run against the blitz. These are the passes we're going to use against the blitz. Here is how we're going to beat their blitz. This team likes to zero blitz. This team likes to zone blitz. This team likes to man blitz. You should have known after what week Martindale did you in New York to Jets, you lose that game because of all the blitzing. You come into Tampa, they're going to do the same thing. And for, for, for me, how do you not have a plan for that? To me, that is inexcusable, and a big part of that does fall on Jalen. He has the opportunity to call audibles. He has the opportunity to call hot routes. He has the opportunity to change protection. So even if you're not in the right call, Jalen can override a lot of that stuff. So I'm not sure exactly whose fault it was, and there were some blown protections that could, could be not on Jalen or the offensive coordinator. But in my opinion, you got to beat the blitz because now the book is out on you. Hey, look at the last two games this guy played, last three, four games. The zero, this guy can't handle blitz. He's not getting the ball out. They're not running the right route. So this offseason, OTAs, training camp, you make an emphasis to handling zero blitz because that is what you're going to get thrown at you. And obviously, 
I think, you know, when you're not 100% healthy with Goddard or your receivers, that hurts. I think you can bring in a slot receiver, maybe a second tight end, and then make sure that the protection up front is good. But to me, Jalen's got to get better at the blitz, and they got to get back on track in the RPO, the run-pass option game. We're talking to Clay Harbor, nine-year NFL veteran, does an amazing job. And let's go to your defensive tackles right now because there are some question marks with your uh, defensive interior linemen. Would you bring back Fletcher Cox? I'm a little biased, man, because I played I play with Fletch back in the day. I mean, me and Fletch played together. I'm waking up with more back pain. This guy's still getting it done. I thought Fletch, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. This guy, just like BG. I'd bring back both of those guys. I think they both want to be in Philly. They don't want to upend their families. They're, they're loved in the, in the area. Philadelphia loves those two guys. They're part of the Super Bowl team. They're guys that bring that mentality that you want to bring. And he, not only is Fletch gonna, still producing on the field, He's a guy you want to have there for a guy like Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, some of the young guys. Show him how to do things. He's that veteran presence in the locker room, and that matters. He knows what it means to be a Philadelphia Eagle. He knows how to win. He's won a Super Bowl there. He was a big piece of that team. He's a big piece of many playoff teams. And Fletcher is a guy that I would bring back, and I think you can get him a little bit of discount. Like I said, these guys don't want to up and leave Philly for the last one to two years of their career. They want to stay there. So he might take a million yes less per year to stay in Philly, just like BG. BG wants to come back. He wants to stay in Philly. He don't want to go nowhere else. He's been there his whole career. Me and, me and BG were in the same draft class. He's still getting it done. I think you need to bring those two guys back, not just because on the field, yes, that's a big part of it, but in the locker room, they are mainstays. They know what it takes to be professionals, and that is one of the things you want to have around these young players is those two consistent veterans that show the young guys what it takes to have a successful career in this league. In my opinion, no questions. They're going to take discounts to come back to Philly, bring both those guys back. My last one for you, Clay. Does Eddie Jackson, does that name move the needle for you? Yeah, you know, obviously I'm out here in Chicago. I do a lot of work with 670 to score and NBC Sports Chicago. I'm watching all these Bears games. And Eddie Jackson, Vic Fangio, you know, it, it, you got him there. He used to play with Vic Fangio. I think Eddie had a down year last year. You know, he gave up 120 passer rating when targeted, but I would like that. He's a veteran guy. You got some young guys you want to bring up still. Obviously, you, you know, you don't, you, you got Blankenship, who I think played well. And then Sidney Brown hopefully can come back. You got Byard there and Justin Evans. But overall, I think that Eddie would be a nice veteran presence. He is a huge locker room guy. I think that he could help the team. He's a guy that you know he's going to be in the right position. I think Eddie Jackson would be good, but even ahead of that, I think you got to bring in some linebackers, maybe like a Patrick Queen, a guy that can play off ball. He had 48 pressures, eight sacks the past two seasons, second most for, for linebackers in the past two years for off ball. I think in a draft, you've got to go cornerback. Quinion Mitchell, a guy I saw at the Senior Bowl, guy that can really play. Xavier McKinney, former New York Giant. The guy is a tackling machine. Only had seven missed tackles, 7% missed tackles, top 10 in the NFL. Even another bear, Darnell Mooney, slot guy. Get him on a discount. I think there's a number of things that Howie can do this offseason with guys that aren't going to be getting the top dollar. He's got $20 million in cap space. But you can move that around bring in some veterans, you bring in some young guys, and you fill these holes, you still got the outline of a team that has a chance to compete for a Super Bowl. 
you fill the rest in with some solid professionals, some solid players. Like you said, Eddie Jackson, I think you're still in a position to go out there and compete for a championship. Clay, thanks so much, man. A lot of great stuff. I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day to talk to us, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Have a good one, Clay. That was Clay Harbor, nine-year NFL veteran. Of course, spent some time here with the Philadelphia Eagles and some other squads as well. Good stuff, man. Very passionate guy about the the football world. He does an excellent job. All right, 215-592-9494. That's the phone number to hop on board. And he he did bring up some interesting stuff there about Jalen Hurts. And when the blitz is a very known thing that is constantly going to be attacking you, whether you see the New York Giants, whether you see – Todd Bowles and what's happening down in Tampa Bay. As much as we want to rip apart the head coach and rip apart maybe the scheme, how much of this is our quarterback needs to recognize too that you cannot constantly just think you're going to go out there and effectively beat. We, we got to be more knowledgeable prior to the snap, see what's going on. It falls on everybody. If the scheme is a zero, well then it's very hard to operate a scheme that's going to give you a zero. I, I'm aware of that. There's only so much you can do from a quarterback position. If you fix the scheme, I do believe that Jalen Hurts gets fixed organically because of that, and we do live in a world where we love our quarterbacks to just step up to the line and start picking everything apart like they're Peyton Manning in their prime, and if you take a look at how quarterbacks play the game nowadays, it's different. Everyone's really, outside of a few, a system quarterback to some degree, because the college game changed, and then you're more mobile here in the NFL, and the offensive schemes have all sort of adapted, so there's so many variables on why that's the case, but I did think that that was definitely highlighted when he was was talking out loud. Um, but I, I do want to get back on to our big topic of today's show, and that's really looking at Rob Thompson and Nick Sirianni. And who do you have more trust in moving forward for their big upcoming seasons? Nick Sirianni was stripped of all of his duties, and now there are two guys in place on their respected side of the ball that's supposed to take charge. Kellen Moore will really be the DNA of the offense. Vic Fangio will be the DNA of the defense. If the Eagles succeed, how much of that falls on the shoulders of Sirianni? And if it is great with time management, great with timeouts, great with personnel on the field, challenging the plays, being detailed, everything a CEO head coach is supposed to take control over, then I will give him a ton of credit. But if there are still some things that are extremely sloppy from the CEO level and it's really just the two coordinators shining, then I don't know if I feel great about Nick. And quite honestly, deep down, I don't feel great about Nick. I don't. I am very concerned. I don't know if you could put the pieces back together. You could try and put tape over it. And that's essentially what this feels like to me is them putting tape over it and Band-Aids, hoping that they could fix it, but it needs surgery. And that's the issue. With Rob... Does he need surgery? No. What he does doesn't need surgery. I think he just needs to put a Band-Aid on his flaws. You see the difference? He doesn't need a full-on operation, but he does need to change a little bit of, of, of wiring because the issue with him is he will pull Zach Wheeler and go to Jose Alvarado versus your Don Alvarez in the World Series, and it will crumble. He will go to... 
Craig Kimbrell when it's obvious he has nothing left in the tank or he'll allow Rojas to bat in the fourth inning with the bases loaded when you have an opportunity to blow the game open when your brand as an offense is to rake and your team is built to score a bunch of runs that's what you do well that's when you have to pounce and he went down swinging I don't care if Pache or if it's Stubbs or if it's anybody Jake Cave I don't care if you have really poor options outside of Rojas if it's better than less than 100 batting average, then it's better than Rojas. Rojas was that abysmal where we don't even know if he's playing Major League Baseball next year. And that's what you went down swing with. I can't have that. So you you got to put band-aids on Rob. You need surgery with Nick. That's my view. But what say you? 215-592-9494. Let's go to David in Iowa. What's going on, David? You're a 94 WIP. Hey, good afternoon. Sir. Good afternoon. I'm great. How are you, David? I'm feeling your whole topical point of the 100 bat numbers. <laughs> it's hilarious to me. Well, man. it's the, the truth. I, it, but the, 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 you, you, <laughs> it, you just hit the nail on the Yeah. I, not, you, you didn't say nothing wrong. It's well, like, dude, thank you, come David. up here three times to swing the bat. Yeah, it's That's unbelievable. You, he couldn't even bunt. You four. Yeah. Then we didn't ask you to swing out the park. Just make contact. Then you come up there looking like Cassianos with the shirt halfway always unbuttoned. Now, the defense, eh, but the defense, to me, he augments the batting order. And as a player, former player, not professional, but you augment the, like when you come in and you see the lineup, you know he's like in between seven, eight, or nine. Nine used to be where the pitcher was until they changed all the laws and bylaws. But, I just think we need a better piece out there. Now I don't know how you sec how you supplement the defense. I'm not saying bring Odubel back. I'm not saying bring. I mean, I'm not point, saying bring. But it's got to be somebody better. Even though we got uh, the the W guy, I call him the W guy. Whit Whit Merrifield. Yeah, because we got a long last name. The W guy. All right, we got him. That's fine. But we need a piece, man. Like, so you're not you don't love the season. you don't love the the outfield. Is that what you're saying? I want him on the. I want him in AAA so he can refine his skills and hone his hone his skills. Because when it comes to batting, I don't know if he's lacking confidence. I don't know what it is. I just it's, it's something about this guy that. But you see what happened in the in the in the, in the, in the, the, the championship, right? Yeah, he definitely crumbled. He had an awesome he regular season, but yeah, he, I know he's not he's not ready yet. They're, but they have Brandon Marsh, and they do have Whit Merrifield now, and they have Pat but Shea. Marsh is hurt. I think Marsh will be all right, though. It's not a long term worry. Yeah, but I would take I would take Thompson, and I'm gonna leave you with this one. Okay, I'll take Thompson over Sirianni. So if Sirianni and I, and I asked Hugh this the other day. If Sirianni's the head coach, what is his responsibility? What, does he make sure that everybody's got their flight passes, they check it? What is his job? Like you're saying, he's got stripped of the DNA. It's going to be Kellen Moore on offense. But what does the head coach do? It's a great question. It's a, and Thanks, David. And it's not the same as Harbaugh down in Baltimore. It's not the same as Dan Campbell because they actually have a personality with their team. They have something that describes how their team plays. And if this is how Nick Sirianni's team plays and it describes him, that's a problem. That's a problem. All right, they actually have way more respect in their respected rooms compared to where Nick Sirianni is right now. 
their resume speak for itself. I don't know about Dan Campbell. I don't know how long that lasts, though. I don't think Dan Campbell is going to be standing around for 15 years as this big rah-rah guy. It was a nice, cute little story in Detroit, but you better show me seven years of sustained success before I start screaming that Dan Campbell knows exactly what he's doing. All right, 215-592-9494. We will reset on the other side. Rob Thompson, Nick Sirianni. Who do you have more trust in? We'll get an update on our Twitter poll. We'll hear more audio. And, of course, it was the NBA All-Star Weekend. And, yes, there's controversy surrounding that game last night. If you watched it, God bless you. We'll talk more about it. 215-592-9494. I'm Broads filling in here on the WIP Afternoon Show. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. This is the WIP Afternoon Show. I'm Broads. Kicking it, hanging with you. The crew will be in tomorrow on this President's Day, though. It's it's me. All right, so we're going to go to our Twitter poll, which is brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Looking for wedding bands or bridal party gifts? Shop Mark's Jewelers' extensive collection for the perfect gift. Online at marks-jewelers.com. And our Twitter poll question of the day is, who do you have more trust in entering the 2024 season? Rob Thompson or Nick Sirianni? And we are sitting at 80% Rob, 20% Nick, which blows my mind a little bit. Here's a response, though. After the last two debacles in the World Series and in the NLCS, and the fact that he admitted that he would go back and put Kimbrell in the game tells me all I need to know. How does anyone have confidence in Rob? By the way, I don't trust Nick either with the cracking up a mood. So now we just feel like I don't have faith in any of them. I, I, that's a little crazy, right? You know, you got to pick one here. You got to pick one or the other. I feel great about Tortorella. I feel great about Nick Nurse. They're not even in the conversation today because, well, Nick Nurse is a very tactical coach, which is solid. John Tortorella has this Flyers team buzzing, albeit after a really bad loss to the New Jersey Devils, which was a very important two points in the standings for the boys. You know, like that's big. I was a big swing, and they better respond. I believe on Wednesday night is the next time they take the ice. But when it comes down to these two, uh, you know, Nick has got to be way farther down on your list, by the way, last year ended. But there's also other stuff happening around the sports world, and it's a big hot topic today after the NBA All-Star game happened. Let's start here. Ben, did you watch any of the NBA All-Star game yesterday? Uh, No. Not once, not. not one second? I didn't turn it on, no. Okay. I was reading a book last night. Wow. Yeah. How'd that go? Not not that well. No? <laughs> <laughs> Five pages, you closed it. I, I Honestly, I'm, well, I'm, re, I'm going back through a book that I didn't pay attention well enough the first time I read it. That seems like a problem considering you're doing it again. Yep. Yep, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so you read the book instead of the All-Star game. So I was in my office at home last night, and I had it on the TV just as background noise, but I was editing some stuff on my computer and whatnot. I wasn't paying too much attention to it. And there's obviously outrage due to the fact that it wasn't very appealing. One team scored 200 points, and I want you all to take a listen here to Anthony Edwards, who made the All-Star game, he played in the game, and just listen to the mentality from the athletes today, and it pretty much sums up exactly why we saw the vomit that we saw. Um, that's a good, great question. Um, I think, for me, it's an All-Star game, so I don't think it, it, I will ever look at it like 
being super competitive. It's always fun. Um, but I don't know what they can do to make it more competitive. I don't know. I think everyone looks at it. It's, it's like a, it's a break. So I don't think nobody want to come here and compete. <laughs> now, if you were to go back and listen to Kobe, I promise you it doesn't sound like that. That's why we get what we get. And I don't think that there's anything the league can do to change that mentality from the athletes. You're going to have to look at the NFL, see how they switch the Pro Bowl, because you have to adapt. And the NBA All-Star game just won't work as currently constructed. And if they're getting numbers, then they're getting numbers, and maybe it will work because we all complain, yet I had it on my TV. Maybe you're like Ben and you do the whole route of reading a book, but until we end up actually turning the televisions off, then maybe they don't even make an adjustment. That was horrible last night. I mean, it was it was horrible. It's, it's so bad. The product is so bad. I, I might approach this from a different angle. Okay. Like, you, you think it's bad, but you didn't spend the night watching it. You're right. My problem is all the people, like, like I just don't turn it on. I, I know what it is. I'm good. I can spend a night doing something else. Everybody who watches it but then spends the entire night complaining while they're watching, mm-hmm. talking about how great the game used to be and uh, the all-star games used to be proper. It's like, dude, just turn it off. Like the, You're right. The complaining about it honestly irritates me more than the game itself. No, dude, there's plenty of examples where I feel the same way, where instead of it actually being about the content anymore, it's about complaining about the content. Everybody. It happens all the time in this sports world and just different occasions. But, yeah, no, you're right. Here I am about to complain for the next 15 minutes about it, yet at the end of the day I could have just turned my TV off, put on Friends, put on anything else, and I would have been all right, yet I actually sat through the filth enough to complain about how miserable it was. I mean, I, I mean more in the moment like like you can have a discussion of how to make it better i think everyone wants it to be better it's more like i i i obviously went on twitter last night and at that point it's everyone being like oh they don't play defense and what what happened to this game we used to love it's like dude just go do go for a walk <laughs> go do something else is there a way they can fix it though is there really a way? Could you do what hockey does and change the format so it's three on three? It's a pickup game similar to what you would think you do when you go to the park. And, you know, one thing I thought of is there. there's this old thing you used to do when you played pickup hockey on the frozen pond. Everyone puts their sticks in the middle, and then you just start chucking a stick to each side, and then you don't know what the teams are going to be, and then that's how you pick your teams, right? So Sounds very safe. You, well, no one's standing where you chuck the sticks, but you throw five sticks one way, five sticks the other way, and then you just happen to see where the teams fall. What if it was like that, where there's, I don't know, you you, you get a pair of shoes, you don't know what shoes for what guy, you chuck them each way, and then it ends up being LeBron, KD, Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Davis versus whatever, Giannis, Damian Lillard. So I don't know. I don't know if that changes anything. I, it might just be stupid. I'm just trying to figure out ways to make this more creative, fun, this and that. At the end of the day, even if you did pick teams differently, the product of the game is still going to suck. No, you you have to do what baseball used to do. Give the winner of – give the conference, whatever team comes out of it, the winner of the game, home field advantage in the finals. Here's the problem. I like that in theory. You think Luka Doncic gives a damn? If you're not involved, I'm saying, let's say Dallas isn't involved. You know you're not making the play. So now my Western Conference but, team. But everybody makes the playoffs. So Or, or the play-in tournament. Like 80% of the league makes the playoffs. So in theory, like the Heat did it, I guess, but like they are physically able to keep winning to make the finals. 
it's not as if there are many people in the game that are just totally out totally of it. Totally out of Right. So if you're a ninth or 10th seed, you technically are still fighting because, but you know, if you're a 10th seed in the NBA, you know you're not an NBA championship caliber team. I, I bet you most of the starters last night play for teams relevant enough to care about that. If that is the case, then I think that could work. If that, if I know I'm getting by it, but what if the Joker is just doing one of his little lollygagging down the court? And and, moving around like a milk carton. I, he does that anyway, though, and then he drops 50. And his team's in the running for a legit championship run, so it's different. But there's got to be guys out there who, who are just out there because it's cool. I'm an NBA all-star. I don't care too much about it. My team isn't that great. And then that person might have... A, a, a cause and an effect here on who gets home court advantage in the NBA Finals. Well, th- that person deserves to go on the road. Like but if- his team's going to be out of it. Now you're hurting. You're hurting the Nuggets, or you're hurting the Sixers. What if? What if we do this and the Sixers actually make it to the Eastern Conference Finals? They go to the NBA Championship, and now Game Seven's on the road because. Damian Lillard didn't care about the All-Star game, and now we lose in seven on the road in a heartbreaking fashion, but would have won if it was at the center. Um, Yeah, get Maxie to care more about the All-Star game. Oh, like, come on! Like get the guys you send to care more. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. Play Anthony Edwards again and tell me it's not that hard. 215-592-9494. Did you embrace the All-Star game at all yesterday, and do you have any... Any ways to fix it? Because I'm trying. I'm trying my best. All right, looks like Dennis here uh, wants to chime in and maybe give us a thought or two on how to fix it. What's up, Dennis? You're on WIP. Yo, good to talk to you again, uh, Rose. Absolutely. Uh, Before I get get to my all-star point, uh, can we change Mad Mike's name to One Trick Pony Mike? Because that's all he's got every time he calls. Everybody's overrated. I hate everybody. I'm I'm a genius. But anyway, the only way, and I don't even know if this would do it, the only way to fix the All-Star game, international players against American players. Ooh. I kind of like that. Well, they would kick our ass. Maybe. Okay, well, well, maybe the Americans would play with some pride. I do think that there would be some pride involved, but is the pride big enough to outweigh what if I get injured for my season's backstretch run? Because that's always in the back of their mind, right? Like, we have a backstretch to do. I got to get paid a lot of money. Is that pride more beneficial to them than the alternative? I don't know the answer. And that's what I said. It, it, that's what I said. Maybe that wouldn't even work. And offering, them, offering money to the winners, that ain't going to work either. Like, you can't – what are you going to do? The winning the, – uh, every player on the winning team, $5 million a piece? I mean, that, that, that's, that would be ridiculous, especially when uh, LeBron's worth $5 billion. I mean, I – Right. I, no, I, 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 I don't I, think the money wa- – I know the NHL tried to do it and all, but NHL guys don't make the same money as these NBA contracts and these deals, the contracts outside of the game and all. I don't know if money would do it either. Uh, it, it, it's honestly – Part of this new wave, and here I am sounding like a get-off-my-lawn guy at 28 years old, but it's this new wave of athletes. It's their mentality with everything, and these athletes have been given so much power from the time they're four years old playing AAU that they run the show, and they run the asylum, and this is sort of why we're in this predicament. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're, like, trying not – I don't know what the word would be. You hate to sound like, uh, you know, America, that we have the best players and all, and – but the last three MVPs, if not more, were all 
uh, foreign-born players. Oh, dude, that would be an intense game. Like that, that would be. A, thanks, Dennis. I appreciate the phone call. If it was that, it, it would it would be an intense battle if you can get everybody on the same page to truly compete. But don't they have all these FIBA stuff anyway? If they're if they care that much, they would take that to the FIBA tournament. I would imagine. And I there's also the chance that it's there isn't anything to fix it. That's kind of where I'm at. I think so too. Like I like we did it with the NFL. We realized that the product stunk, and we kind of moved on. And we're like, all right, like it's it's lame. Nobody really cares. So we're just gonna move on and and accept that. Here's another thought because I. Tend to agree with you. I'm just honestly spitballing everything. It was Indiana. Okay. Meh. What if they did something so big overseas? Keeping it in the same sort of conversation of bringing in the the the, the different backgrounds and the, the different, um, you know, places that people come from. What if they did it in Paris? I don't know. Maybe that's stupid. Maybe those athletes are going, what? I have to fly to Paris, fly back, get ready with my team. I got my family. I don't know. Paris is a big ass to bring people of your family to it as well. Maybe that's a little bit aggressive, but I would just think that the platform of going to a whole different, you're in Paris for the All-Star game. You're just in this new spot. It's not Indiana. Would that bring any pop? How long is the All Star break? I know, that's what I was worried so about. You're going to send him halfway across the world and then send him right back. Yeah, to start, a, and then some team's going to have a back to back on a Thursday, Friday to kick off their second half of the season. Exactly, I'd be a horrendous commissioner. All right, let's go to John in Albany. John, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, John. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks good for afternoon. taking my call. Well, thanks for calling, John. So it, uh, we need a solution to the All Star game that's unwatchable. And my suggestion is that. Instead of going with those stars, which they're now being tarnished by playing in this game, if you might agree with me, I would say let's look for the fan favorite from uh, the top 24 teams in the NBA. Have them bring in their player that comes off the bench or a little further down the bench and incentivize those guys with a big paycheck if they win the game and let the uh, all-stars who are uh, on the sidelines – uh, cheer them on, as so, <laughs> they typically do in the last five minutes of the game. <laughs> so it's really a a bench All Star game, essentially. That's right. That's right. That's you right. Know what? I I actually kind of like it. I it's goofy, and I kind of like it. So LeBron, but are we getting to the point where it's such a? I mean, it's a joke now, anyway. But is LeBron the coach? Like, are we having player? Are the All Stars the coaching staff? I think I think anything's on the table, and that might be a great idea. You know, have LeBron there, uh, have you know Giannis have a, you know rooting for the you know the tenth guy on his bench. You know, putting him in. You know, those guys are going to play hard. It's they're in the spotlight, and uh, if you put some money on the table, they're going to play even harder. And uh, you know, it, it, it just is not working with these super you know super athletes, super paid athletes. You know, money is part of the equation. But at the end of the day, you want to see a really competitive product out there with NBA players. Let's put the players out there who want to play, who can play, and who, who, might, who might as a result of it get a little bit more time. All right, John, thanks for taking the time to call in and sharing your opinion. I doubt the NBA ever goes that route, but it's so bad that I'm willing to hear out everybody 
and hear what they have to say about it because it is an issue right now. And and I'm kind of with you, though, Ben. I don't know if there's a fix because these athletes are wired this way and they're not going to compete like Kobe Bryant once did. There There isn't that fire anymore. And I forget where I heard this take, so I really do apologize. But I think it was someone on the national broadcast or someone who was covering the events over the weekend. And it was along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but it was along the lines of, These guys work their ass off in practice behind closed doors, right? And the difference is timing. This is during the offseason. But if you were to watch LeBron James get ready and prepare for the season, he'll put in, maybe not at this point in his career because it's LeBron James, but I'd imagine so. You're able to keep up this pace for a reason. But pick any example of any athlete. They put in the work and do intense workouts, intense games, intense five-on-fives throughout these off-seasons. Well, if that's the case, why can't you utilize that mentality to the All-Star game and and pretend like you're putting in work? Would it be crazy to think during a random off-season day, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard get up shots together and really put in work? Of course, where they're drenched in sweat for an hour, they're just... They got their asses kicked in a workout. Yeah, that happens. Well, why can't we get that mentality here in a on a five on five pickup game? Essentially, that's intense and with the lights shining bright. Um, some people are unhappy about that mentality, that everybody's friends, and that there's no real conflict anymore. That probably plays a role. You're dapping everybody up, and there's no hatred. Like, if you hate somebody, and then you see each other in the All-Star game, and you're you're matched up in isolation ball, and it's one-on-one, and you think that that guy's going to take them or whatever, is that an intense moment that we're missing out on? I would I would say yeah. Yes, especially if it's TJ McConnell against Alex Caruso. Oh, jeez. Because that's, that's what brings me to the television. You you wouldn't watch the the, no. <laughs> the the five bench the five best bench pieces in the NBA against the five best in the West versus Doug McDermott oh. versus Alexi Shred. <laughs> like uh, there's a reason people don't watch these people on television. But LeBron would be the coach. Forgot that part of it. <laughs> All right, let's go to Jack and Mount Laurel. Jack, you're on 94 WIP. Hey, Jack. What's up? What's up? How's it going? What's going on, man? How you feeling? Good, good. I mean, I, I was thinking, I don't think we can we can fix it. I'm thinking, I don't want to see LeBron, KD get hurt. Like, I, I don't like, like, I watch NBA every every day. Like, I don't want to see Luka get hurt. I don't want to see. So, uh, if you watch the Rising Stars, which I turned it on a little bit, the Benedict Mather and Jaden Ivey, like, feud was interesting. Um, I think, obviously, the dunk contest was, was a flop, but... Like I don't want like I, every time LeBron dunked last night, I'm like, yo, I hope he doesn't land weird. Like Jack, he's gonna ruin the he, Lakers season. He, he almost missed that one dunk. He was right. oh my there was I don't know if that was his first dunk or whatever, but he touched the rim with the ball. He did not have hops. <laughs> right, I saw that. I'm like, yo, if he comes down weird, like Lakers season zero, I'm like, I don't know if we, we, we want this too much either. Like he didn't even play the second half, so it, it's hard to fix it for him. I don't disagree, though, that I don't want to see anybody get hurt, right? But is there a middle ground on not trying to get people hurt and then what we saw last night? I don't know what that would be, right? Because if they're giving 30% effort and they're not going to give 100% effort, what does a 70% effort game look like? I don't know. Is that enough to even satisfy us? Probably not, I'd say. It was was weird. Like, throughout the years, I've never seen that. Like, Dame's pulling up from the logo, like, four times. And I'm like, dude, what am I watching? Like, they're not even, like – actually playing basketball right now. So that, last night was weird. Or last the last off game was super weird. Maybe the three on three might be like or the one on ones. They do that in USA where like one on one three dribbles. One on one would be fire. 
You're telling three me dribbles, LeBron. Yeah, that's cool. LeBron, KD, three dribble, one on one. I'm watching. Right, I'm watching. Five points, first one to five, first one to six. Like, we'll do something weird like that, but the, the game is, is lost in itself. Ooh, thanks, Jack. I appreciate the phone call. Now I have a bracket in my mind, sort of like a March Madness, and it's one-on-one. Maybe we could do different cities. Am I getting way too obnoxious now? Where there's three different cities, and this is a multiple-day event. Now that makes no sense. Now there's more travel involved. This is nuts. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for even bringing that up. I got to be smarter. Let's go to Rob in Upper Darby. Rob, you're on 94 WIP. I got the best idea in the world. Oh. You got to do All-Stars versus Legends. I would love to see Jordan versus LeBron. Just let them do something completely ridiculous, but bring the legends back. Is there an like age game? limit, Rob? No. Bring back, like, Kareem versus Jokic. I mean, I'm talking Larry Bird versus Damian Lillard. How would you love to see legends versus all-stars in something that they're not going to get hurt, like horse? Well, well Rob, this, this is what I was going to say, right? Like, we're worried about these prime athletes at age 30-plus, 28, 29, 30, 31. We're worried you about mean, them getting hurt, but the 80-year-old, we're putting him give, in the post. Give Jordan a chance to come back and show up LeBron. He would. He's the most competitive human being walking planet Earth right now. That would be, like, people would tune in just to see that. Because I thought about this during the flag football thing a couple of weeks ago at the All- at the Pro Bowl. Wouldn't it be great to see some of the legends come back, like Dawkins, Randy Moss? These guys could play flag football for 40 minutes. I mean, have them go up against, you know, I mean, Ray Lewis. I mean, that would be incredible to have All-Stars versus Legends. I mean, it's interesting. I, and thanks, Rob. I appreciate the phone call. It's interesting I just don't know at what point are we talking a 70-year-old man out there and he's putting up shots. I just keep going back to if we're getting nervous about a 30-year-old in their prime of their career and just breaking down, we don't want them to get injured, it's hard for me to think about a 7-year-old man out there in the gym putting up jumpers unless we get some documents. I want documents. You've been playing for five years. You're 68 years old, but you're 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 in a good spot. Fine. I need a doctor's note. That's how I would do it if I'm the NBA. Give me a doctor's note. Let me know you're still playing. Even if it's with Adam Sandler. I don't care if you're playing pick up with Adam Sandler in the big baggy shorts and you're putting up shots with him. It doesn't matter. It's just some form of physical play and then maybe we'll, we'll let that slide. All right. 215 215- 592-9494. Fun little side topic, of course, after yesterday and the NBA All-Star Weekend. Some really good stuff. Shooting the basketball, the three-point competition was solid. Uh, the, the, the slam dunk thing, the slam dunk contest has, it has the ability to be amazing. We all reference Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon. It's hard to duplicate that level of wow But that was special. That is something that is insane that you can't miss. It's so legendary that we all use that perfectly when describing what it needs to be every year. The problem is, though, when it's a flop, it is hard to watch. We got Jalen Brown dunking over someone who's 5'3", sitting down. What are we doing? Luckily, McClung is the hero, I guess, because that dude could just do whatever he wants. I couldn't imagine being able to dunk like he dunks. But overall, it was a pretty disappointing weekend, and the NBA definitely has to figure some things out. 215-592-9494. We roll into the 4 o'clock hour where we will continue our conversation about 
Rob Thompson and the trust level in him managing this baseball team moving forward and Bryce Harper's contract extension and the Phillies with big plans and a big trade that could be on the horizon potentially. Hmm, interesting. 215-592-9494. I'm Broads filling in for the, 90, uh, for the WIP afternoon show here on 94 WIP.